Well, look at this. We are back, and it's, I think it's pretty accurate to say better than ever. Hello? Hello over there, and hello. A three-camera shoot on this professional podcast. We like to call it Come On You Reds, the official Toronto FC podcast. I am Gareth Wheeler, alongside my main man, happy belated Father's Day for the first time, Mr. Terry Dunfield. Oh, thank you. My debut, first Father's Day. <laughs> It was, uh, those three hour cycles come around quick. Uh, I was hoping for a best dad mug, but apparently you need to be a dad for three years to be in, in running for a mug. Oh, really? That's what I said. Uh, did it just give you the benefit of the doubt? No, no, I got to sleep in a little bit, so that was good. Nice. Uh, look, I got the dad bod for Father's Day. You have the coach bod. You just need a little bit more time to finesse and work it in to truly embrace your dad bod. Great to have you back. Uh, for our listeners who are tuning in right now, we've been hi on hiatus for the last little bit while well, we put together this new format for the podcast. We're live in person from the BMO training ground and we're thrilled to be back. Uh, Terry was also off on national team duty on John Herbin's staff for the last window for the national team. Congratulations, yeah, thanks, thanks, It's the first thanks. time I've seen you since. Yeah, no, it was exciting. Uh, a great opportunity. Ma Mauro Biello, he's leading the under-20s. They actually play the U.S. tonight in a big game after losing to Cuba, but I uh, got the call up to, to work with Herbman, and uh, I knew he was good, but I didn't know he was that good. Uh, <laughs> it's an incredible, high-performance environment, and the team behind the team is just another level. It probably took me 10 days to catch my breath and get caught up to the processes, but it was uh, such a good experience. And it was like three trips in one. There was the strike, the Panama game not happening, <laughs> got into a rhythm against Curacao, and then the monsoon in Honduras. But uh, such a cool opportunity. Wild. Uh, we're really proud of you, honestly. And Terry won't say it, so I will say it for him. Terry Dunfield taught Alfonso Davies a couple new tricks <laughs> yeah, right. that'll show off some guitar. <laughs> so wait and see. So uh, we need part of our new format, and <laughs> this is the perfect just what he time. Needs more tips. These guys are naturals. Each and every podcast, we're bringing in new people to join us because you and I, quite frankly, aren't enough. And we need help. <laughs> and these two are absolute pros from the Palace podcast. Is George and Ricky or Ricky and George? I'll let you fight over who's ever name. It's, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Ricky and George here. Uh, Happy to be here. This is awesome. We've had a lot of uh, TFC guys on our podcast. We talk sports, soccer, Reds, everything. So more than happy to be here. George. <laughs> Over to you. Uh, Over to you. Obviously, uh, Rick nailed it. We um, you know, started a podcast as a hobby. It kind of spun out to this bigger thing and had the pleasure to sit down with some, some very legendary TFC players, uh, Jonathan Osario as of late. Obviously, big Toronto sports guys, big TFC fans. Um, Big, amazing season ahead and a lot of excitement kind of brewing. I don't want to tell you guys, but, you know, we're a couple, maybe a month or so away for some, some big things happening, but uh, a lot has obviously happened since, and uh, we're excited to see what comes Congrats in the coming Congrats on the podcast, you yeah, two. Appreciate thank it. started you, thank you. right before COVID hit. That was the last time I was at the training ground. Yeah. Because yeah. honestly, we've tried to keep away. People unnecessarily, you know, they basically put up the stop sign and said, Wheeler, it's not worth the risk. Stay away. <laughs> That's what they told me. I think they just wanted me to stay away. But the perfect venture heading into the podcast, like you said, you had Oso on your pod. Over 100 up. Where, where are you? We're Tuesday? about 170, I think. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and we've had uh, a lot of great success. We've had a lot of Canadian Olympians, obviously, TFC players, NHL players. 
musicians, Juno award-winning artists, so a little bit of everything, and we just like to kind of chat with our pals, and uh, that's what we're here to do today. Amazing. So you guys are actual, actually pals. Yeah. Yes, yes. You're actually friends. Yes, yes. I mean, there's some stories that where we, <laughs> where that friendship diverged momentarily, like probably like maybe like a few minute yeah. spat here and there, but no, we've been uh, best pals. Yeah, brothers fight every now and then. So. Exactly. Our working title was the best friend podcast. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. Terry vetoed it again, <laughs> sending me a message. But awesome to have you here. I listen on Spotify. How do you recommend? Yeah, yeah. Spotify, YouTube, Apple, all your major streaming platforms. Right yeah. on, guys. Yeah. Let's yeah. dig into it Jump and in. get into Toronto FC. Like you said, we're in the countdown mode. Like literally the yeah. countdown mode for Lorenzo Insigne arriving. But we've had to undergo some growing pains as of late. Rebuilds aren't easy. I don't care if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Toronto oh. Raptors, the Toronto Blue Jays. And now it's happening for Toronto FC after hitting the highs of highs, winning the MLS Cup. Now changes upon us. What have you learned through these opening months of the season? A lot of young players have come in. There's a new coach, a new staff. Very few players are kind of holdovers from the previous regime. George, we'll start with you. What have you learned over these first few months? That's one that you just made a comment about the holdovers, and I think that was a big thing as as a fan, like looking from the outside. You know, when that Insigne signing happened, I mean, it was like electric in the city. Arguably one of the biggest signings in almost history. But I, I, as a fan looking in, you can kind of see that that signing was such a, a big piece that then I guess they were waiting for that chip to fall and then filling in some of the gaps and, and kind of, you know, seeing where the other needs are. And I'm ass uh, assuming there's budgetary constraints and so forth. So watching that from afar, I think that was one of the learnings is seeing how they were going to piece that puzzle together and obviously waiting for that number one key to, to kind of uh, join the team, which obviously is, is not till midseason. So Seeing how they adapted there, uh, I mean, it's early in the season, and and I think they've still, you know, done fairly well to get to this point and kind of, you know, stay in, in the pack. And the East is pretty tight so far. Yeah, to build on that, I think it's it's tough when you know you know you're in a rebuild season. Obviously, everybody wants to win, 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 and they had that kind of four game stretch where they they didn't lose, and you're excited. You're like, hey, this, you know what, this rebuild's going quicker. Then Insigne is going to come here. We're going to take over, and then it's like, hey, we went on a little bit of a losing skid. And it's tough, right? Fans want to win, win, win. It's like, guys, let's trust the process. Just like a lot of these other Toronto teams. You have faith in management, have faith in coaches, have faith in your core, and good things will happen. So like you said, we're basically a week or 10 days away from like, arguably the biggest player in MLS history coming to play. And then, like George said, once you put in those key factors and hopefully, you know, we get some of our core players back from injury and uh, see what kind of July and August has in store for us. Pull back the curtain for us, Benfield. Like, <laughs> you know, because, as a former, as someone who's actually wearing the kit, by the way, we all need to wear yeah. the TFC jumpsuit next week. We'll look the like BC boys <laughs> or tracksuit jumpsuit, whatever you want to call it. It looks I'll good on you, buddy. <laughs> I've gone up a size. <laughs> Give it another size. Yeah. There's still another size to come. But as a, as a player, as a coach, you got to feel the change, right? I'm trying to buy some more time here. <laughs> um, yeah, I like what Ricky said about um, kind of knowing your core, your, your core group of players and, and having the right structure in place for when Insigne does come. And um, that moment you feel like couldn't come any sooner and it's, it's, it's difficult to, to focus on the process when you've got that at the end of it. And don't forget, too, at the start of, of the year, we had Bob Bradley come in, as we all know. And um, now he's laying his philosophy, his methodology, his game model yep. on what's here as well. Um, in the last six months, 18 players have gone out the door. So, so it is a rebuild. And what's tough is our expectations are so high 
because of all the trophies we've won, all the finals we've been in. It's not just one final, one trophy a year. It's multiple finals, probably since 2016. Um, so you've kind of got all those ingredients that you're navigating through. And I think what it's led to is almost a six-month trial period, almost an assessment period is maybe a better way to say it, where young academy players have been given opportunities. Some of our core players have been given opportunities to say, can you be our core pieces to support uh, our big DPs? Because really, that's what our identity is. Um, and I think, uh, I think Bob Bradley's starting to understand, yeah, this works for me. Yeah, that doesn't work for me. Yeah, this academy player works. And, and I think Insigne coming in will really jumpstart everything. And uh, if we're brutally honest, the expectations here are the playoffs. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's another three, four moves made in the summer uh, to support Insigne coming in. So it's exciting times. And... What's important here, is, as, as everybody knows, is that we're relevant in this sports marketplace in Toronto. And for us to be relevant, stadiums got to be full and we've got to be competing for trophies. And uh, I think these next four games coming up, three games until Insigne comes, gives us the opportunity to build a little bit of momentum yep. and go, OK, this is going to be our identity. These are going to be our guys. These are going to be our core players. These are going to be the academy players we rely on. Uh, for the rest of 2022. Expectations are a good thing, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they're a, they're a bad thing at all. Let me challenge you here once. So <laughs> expectations, though, through a rebuild, uh, can be difficult because well, we, we expect the team to win games. We're not used to going through multiple games without winning. Th that's what I was going to say. Expecta expectations are a good thing, but an understanding of the process at play, not to go all Joel Embiid on everyone, but you need to trust the process a little bit. Here. <laughs> because Bob Bradley... A new coach comes in, a new crop of players. I look at the weekend, the back four was completely new. In the midfield, there was Michael Bradley and, and Pozuelo, who has generally played higher up the field in yep. previous versions of this team, and a front line that was completely new. Like This is a completely new team with a new coach. I think the most important ingredient here is the manager is figuring out which players can play his style of football and which players may be suited to playing a different kind of role. Isn't that part of being a coach? You need to, like, you have your ideas about how you want the team to play when Insigne arrives, when these other players arrive. You kind of almost have to, you know, learn as the process is playing out. Like, or should he be a little bit more pragmatic and start playing to the strengths of some of the players? It's an age-old argument, Terry, and I'm kind of out of the mindset here. you got to keep the big picture in mind here and kind of build towards where you're going to end up and not necessarily where you're at today. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a dilemma. And, and in a league with a salary cap, players tied up with contracts, uh, two transfer windows, it's, it's difficult to completely change everything well, in one go. Too, right? like, yeah. yeah, it changes the game completely. I, I, I wouldn't say we've been Atlanta, but we, it's been tough with some injuries and some unexpected suspensions. Um, but I would say where Bob's a little bit different to maybe Chris Armis, where the, the Red Bull way was coming. We weren't going to go away from that, and, and we needed the right skill sets for that. And I think Bob's game model can go a little bit more towards Barcelona, Man City, a little bit more towards... Dortmund and LAFC 2019, depending on the players available to them. There's a little bit of flexibility in there until fast forward two, three transfer windows later. Okay, now this is the vision I have for TFC. Right. Um, Does that make sense? I, I, I do, but he still has his identity that he wants to, but it's, a, it's not as rigid. <laughs> 
yeah. as the one that w- was being applied last year. What I'm excited about is part of that game model is high pressing, high energy. You're seeing young players have the opportunity to do that as well. I think overall, that's kind of the modern platform, the way that the game's being played today. I, I'm with you because Oso has, has been on the team, Mavinga out of the team. These are some players with some real experience. Like, I don't care what sport it is. You bring in young players, Ricky, and uh, sometimes they can have all the talent in the world and have bright futures ahead of them if they're not properly surrounded. Yeah, mentored. Yeah. Right. It, it hurts, right? It, it can hurt the development of the young players, right? So you have a guy like Oso, who's arguably one of like the greatest TFC players in history. He's been around for, what, seven, eight years now? A decade. A decade. A ten yeah. years. There you go. Thank you. So he's been around Came for a on, long time. made his debut replacing Terry Dunfield. Oh, Every opportunity. So, I, I, you know, I always <laughs> drop that card. You should be dropping that card. I'm dropping that card for yeah, you. Yeah, you know what I mean? He's, he's a great player and arguably been one of the best players of, on the team this year. And, you know, him going down, that hurts. But again, you've got great leadership on the team. You've got guys like Michael Bradley, who's, you know, arguably one of the better players in, in MLS history, who's able to, like, lead the team. It's just once those young guys come in, they figure out their stride and they get their groove going. And... Things can change, right? All you got to do is make the playoffs. From there, anything can happen, right? Right. Um, what's critical, and I'm kind of skipping ahead here, is now the latter stages of June into July, every Toronto FC game is home. Their next away game is July 13th against Chicago Fire, a team that's struggling at the bottom of the Eastern Conference as well. This has to be looked at as a crucial period of this season, like taking advantage of playing at home, you know, yeah. you know what it's like down at BMO Field when it gets going. Like this has to be a critical time with new additions coming in for this team to kind of get things going. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and look at the standings. Um, you know, today the East is is pretty tight. I mean, you know, TFC mm. sitting in tenth somewhere in that range, and I mean they're only they're, they're within striking distance. I mm. mean, you put on a four game win streak, and you know you're up to the top four in the in, in the in the Eastern Conference. So. To back to the point of saying about you know navigating it and Bradley bringing his system and all that, there's so many things that have changed with this team in it, and it is a rebuild, and you can see it, but they're still hanging in there, right? And you just need a couple bounces to go your way. You need the team to kind of click. You need you know Bradley the coach, Bradley the captain to kind of bring that team together and and hold the fort for those guys to get healthy. That that big sign to come back in, and and I mean man, they they could go on a. On, on a serious run and make some uh, make some noise that second half of the season. And of course, Lorenzo Insigne, his arrival is imminent. Is that the best way to put oh, it? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I believe there's like official <laughs> countdown clocks. It's like counting down to like New Year's yeah, Eve yeah, or something yeah. like that. The jerseys like are already the going through reveal. College Street, Dundas. They're, they're Do you see ever. it? Do you feel it right now? Oh, yeah. You feel it. Well, Taste a little Italy was this past weekend. You can just feel it. <laughs> you, you know they're you know they're going crazy already. <laughs> I mean, look, I you know Taste I, I'm, a, I'm a Greek. The Greeks are out of the out of the World Cup. <laughs> the Italians, I guess, are not in the World Cup. So I think we're our our you know that those big uh, communities are backing TFC and you know Canada. All that so I think Insigne coming here is a kind of a constellation prize for uh, for those communities, and I think they're excited to see it. I think they're itching to get them on the field. I think there, there's there's two different types of of people that are kind of looking forward to this Insigne arrival. People that have watched Napoli, have watched the Italian national team, watched them win the last Euros. Uh, So they're familiar with the player and how good he can be. There's also the people, Terry, that have just kind of picked up on the conversation, seen the headlines out there. Who's this Insigne cat? Oh, sounds like it's must-see TV or need to get down to the stadium. But then it's about him delivering for Toronto FC. Maybe I'm somewhere in between because... I kind of don't know what to expect. Like there was anticipation when Sebastian Javinko came and he hit the ground running 
And he was even better than any of us could have imagined. How do you envision Insigne arriving in MLS <laughs> and how he will look when he's wearing Toronto FC red? Loaded question. I don't know the answer to that, that question. Please give us your prediction so we can all uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. No pressure. Uh, I think in a perfect world, it's like Bob Bradley coming in. You've got someone that'll come in and really set the standards and go, okay, the bar's here. And everyone else within the organization, within that playing staff will lift their game to, to get there. And I think Insigne is a little bit special. And you, and you can't always say this about players in that he's a maverick. I, I, I don't think there's a system that will work for him. I think you've got to give him that freedom that Javinko had to go. Go out and play. Go out and affect the game. And you know what? We'll move around you. And, and I think what's interesting in these next three, four games is you, you've got a little bit of time um, to find what will probably work best for Insigne. I think that's where my head will go. And knowing you've got an absolute maverick coming in uh, to give him basically the best structure to succeed. What is the Pals podcast? What do you project? I need the Pals oh, podcast yeah. projection. Oh, I got a hot take on this one. Okay. So, a couple different things. One, I think, time, yeah. Let's go. one thing I think is big is the fans. You know, like <laughs> a lot of people know this name. So the fans are going to be coming down to BMO Field in, in large numbers. You know, like you can expect BMO Field to be sold out for those for the rest of the season, basically. I think that's a, a no-brainer. Two, I think all the players around them will ele- elevate their game. Obviously, when you have a player of that stature coming in, one, you want to play better. But two, maybe you know defenses have more of a focus on him that allows other players to kind of move freely. Just just in any other sport, the same thing happens. So those two key things, and then again the fact that these young players obviously want to impress him, want to play good, want to step up. I think it's kind of that perfect recipe for success, right? That's that's my hot take. But I'm I'm excited to be there too because you you can feel it like. Yeah. Again, you see the count. I think George was mentioning off offline the the countdown outside BMO Field. I, I might have made that up, and I might, might have been so excited seeing some red bill, <laughs> red billboard that I'm like, oh, I think that's about Insignia. I think that's countdown. It was that me. or a lot of mass. Some yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But either way, is a good thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's hard to predict anything, but I, you know, just as a, as a fan and, and as someone following the team for so long, that's that's had such great success and clearly was. You know, it is clearly in the process of let's, you know, we keep saying rebuild, but is also making that commitment to, to staying competitive and being that premier team in the league in such a, you know, a, a new league relative to major sports in North America is really refreshing. And, I, and you know, a guy coming in kind of the prime of his career, you know, you see a lot of, of these big names come in, maybe in the later years, their mid-30s and a little bit later. I mean, this guy is coming in, primed off some, some really big runs in the Euros and some big seasons. So, you know, the sky's the limit. We saw what Jovinko did. Yeah, he, he took this city by by force, and if uh, Insigne can do, I mean, the same, even even close to that, I think we'd be happy. But I, I see the standard being a lot higher. He's, I think he's going to raise it. He's coming off a great season with Napoli, scored a goal against Barcelona, did well in the Europa League. Um, this is the first time that he's left Napoli, though. This is this is yeah. a completely yeah. new adventure, for, not just a new league and a new city. I mean, he, he's he's been in an environment that he's been. In, being comfortable with for so long. Something to remember, having covered this team as long as I have, the first year of Sebastian Javinko and Josie Eltador and Michael Bradley here, success just didn't come like that. Their first playoff game lost 3-0 at Montreal. It was a difficult one, and difficult questions were asked. And that's why I kind of think this this entire transition, forget the word rebuild, George, we'll, we'll, we'll go, go with transition. <coughs> There's a three-part part process here. There's Bob Bradley's arrival gets his hands into it, starts molding the team that he wants. 
that Insigne arrives. This is going to be phase two. You see what he looks like in the team and what you need to do to bring out the best version of Lorenzo. Then there's going to be part three, which will probably start at the beginning of next season, when you're able with a little bit more flexibility to add and start building the team around him. Is that kind of the way that you look at things? My three-step process? <laughs> That's kind of what you do. You have a three-step really, process You're really looking, life. trying to pull that prediction <laughs> out, eh? You're throwing it in the bin like a weight loss program? Just like that. You're just done. No, I'm done with that. Uh, <laughs> the pints and pound cake. No, I, uh, I don't think we've got time for that. Yeah. And, really? And I think, okay. I think it's I the first time he's had something new. I think there'll be a novelty to it. I'm looking over at BMO Field behind you there. I, I, I think it'll be like a Pozzuolo type first 10 games. I think he comes in fresh. I think he's on fire. I think he's got a little bit more time in MLS. Uh, if I'm a defender, I don't want to get close to him, which is a problem because he's going to be whipping crosses in. Then somebody will get close to him. He'll combine, create half a yard and stick it in the back of the net. So I think it's uh, going to be all aces to start. I think he finds his rhythm right away. We've got an incredible team here um behind the scenes in, in operations that have just rolled out the red carpet for him to ensure his family himself everything is seamless so he can hit the ground running so i think i think he'll be on fire um yeah he just needs to play new york city in his first game <laughs> like that was the pozuelo magic you're part of the proud Italian community oh, in the city, time. Ricky. Yeah, big time. How are you unrolling the red carpet? Do, do you remember when, when Italy won the Euro Cup, everybody went crazy? Do right? I? Every, every, every you you every couldn't time. turn on any TV, social media, anything without seeing, you know, Forza Azuri, everyone going crazy, right? It was, it was arguably one of the biggest things for the soccer community in, in Toronto because we, we have a lot of Italians in, in the city, obviously. No way. Oh, You're kidding me. Uh, there you go. First time I've heard of this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, again, like coming in, I think um, you just have Kawhi had, you know, free free food for everything. I think he's, <laughs> he's going to have the exact same thing. He's going to go call. Kawhi and die. Yeah, Kawhi and die. That was it. Yeah, I forgot. But uh, build it on your part. Even if he doesn't come in, you know, guns, guns swinging and everything, I think the biggest thing is like the process, right? Like he's going to play his game. There's obviously keep pieces that will be filled in along the way. Younger guys stepping up, filling in those voids. So even if he doesn't come in guns blazing, it's not the end of the world, like let's hit the panic button. It's like, no, trust the process. We've got time, this is a rebuild, right? So focus on the rebuild, focus on making the young players step up. Focus on building that core. Focus on playing that the, the team so way. So you at my back. You're not throwing out my three-step process. Well, like I'm, I, I'm, uh, I'm in between. I don't know. George is chucking it yeah, out, See, I've used that bin. word, and you made a point, to drop that word. And I'm, I agree. I agree with Terry. I'm going to drop Thanks, that word George. because I do believe that <laughs> if, you actually look at, if you actually look at the team stats. Hey, whoa, whoa, Ricky, come see. <laughs> Get in here. <laughs> Switch over. Yeah. We got 2v2 we got here. No, if you, <laughs> new pals podcast. Yeah. Don't worry. We'll Let's go. go. If you look at the team stats and everything and you look at where TFC is and you know in the in the table they're they seem to be kind of just on the cusp there and, and if you look at their offensive numbers it seems like that's kind of their weaker their, maybe where they're weaker right now I mean they're not putting a lot of a lot of quality shots shots on net and so forth and you said a pointable crosses I think they might be in the lower part I don't want to say where they are but lower part I mean, if he comes there and you start getting a little bit more quality chances, I mean, it's a numbers game. Rick will tell you that. He's all, he's all about shoot shoot your shot, right? Shoot or shoot. So the more shots, more quality <laughs> chances. You, you, take, you take one of those chances against the Red Bulls on the weekend, it's, it's maybe a different second half. So I, that's what I, I mean. I'm just, I, I just saying, I, you know, you made a point about like that, that pressure on the team alleviating. I mean, there's, there's going to be a focus from opposition on him. There's no doubt. You do not want to be beat by one guy to beat by someone else on the, on the team or, or, or multiple guys is, is a different story, but letting one guy coming over from Napoli having a great season, it's, you're going to be focused there. 
taking the focus away from him, alleviating the load somewhere else, and I'm sure he can do some pretty special things and put some stuff on target. Uh, no, no. <laughs> I think if I'm on the board as well and I write a check like that, I, I'm not saying I need uh, this has six months to play out. I'm, no. I'm ready for it but, to... But, but, playoffs are bust. But let's be honest, and, and I like how Bill Manning said this, and we'll get into what this means in a few moments, but this is not just about today. This is about the next four years, hosting a World Cup in our own stadium, in our very own city. So I, I, I think it's a little bit naive to think that, boom, it's about short-term results. It's about the now. I think there's a process about to play out, and this is part of the branding of it, part of the excitement of it, part of putting the best product possible on the field as well with top international star players joined up and playing alongside top Canadian players. And, and also preferably local players who've grown up, lived and breathed Toronto FC from the time they were young in our own very backyard. So I, I understand what you're saying, Terry. I'd, I'd add the word innovative to it as well. Sure. I think TFC have gone against the trend of MLS right now where, where a lot of clubs are signing younger players, spending a little bit less, looking to develop them to, to make a profit there and still yet be competitive to uh, make the playoffs and challenge for MLS Cup. I think TFC have gone all out here. I think if you look at the various uh, salary spends across the league, this is a, an outlier. This is way out here where TFC have gone, you know what, we're going to take a big swing. I, and I think it's worth it. I think that that's what MLS needs. You know, again, this isn't a player who's 35, if I'm, 36. If I'm, if I'm LAFC or I'm Atlanta and I'm the Galaxy and I'm looking up, up north going, what's going on up there? Well, you, you know what? Are they, are they starting to think, Am I, do we yeah, need to compete we need to with this? That. Is this where the league's going? Yeah. And if I'm another player as well, I'm like, you know what? I want to be part of that project. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll see what that looks like. Uh, Bill Manning has gone on the record saying that, it, you know, his preference is that it's not just Insigne arriving in the next few weeks, that there's other players to come along as well. George Rickey, is, is there a type of player, a position that you think the team could benefit by addressing? Where do you stand on this, George? I mean, it, look, up top you have a lot of guys, and even and even in the midfield you still have a, a Pozuelo holding down. I mean, Bradley, a little bit older, but still you can see him out there. Like, he still is that force, and he plays with a very level head and clearly has that game IQ. I mean, I would say something in the backfield. Some, somebody, you know, if we're going to bring in, bring in a sign in there. Um, I do want to say to your point again, you know, even though I'm very bullish on the season, I do think to your point as well, it, it, it Bill Manning is clearly an MLSC and the, the organization is done something very, very smart with this move. And as much as it does appear that they're going for it this year, it clearly is a process to build for that four years leading up to, you know, to Canada and everything like that. And, and so, you know, seeing a couple uh, finals runs in the past few years would be nice to see another one. But I, I do think it's a process. And, I, and if they can kind of bolster that back line and, and you know, help out Bono and the, and the guys in the back. Ricky, you just, just want to see more Italian national No, no, no. I, I, I don't mind. You know what I can There's recommend? There's a lot of Italian people in Toronto. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's, bring a, let's bring a Greek defender over. The Greeks, the Greeks <laughs> yeah, won the yes. Euro with the defense. Let's bring one of them Greek over. Greek defenders, <laughs> Italian attackers. Yeah. That's, no, but, but I agree with you. <laughs> you know, maybe a couple, couple small moves. I think we almost rehauled our entire, like, kind of back ends there, right, during the, during the offseason. So if we bring in a couple, you know, nice players that can either – step into the lineup or even play role players, I think that'd be a big addition. Because, yeah, again, the goaltending situation, like, you see the numbers, okay, they haven't had a clean sheet in whatever, 20-something games, but that doesn't matter. They're also getting some of the most shots on net. Yeah. So it's tough, right? You know, you, you, you can't blame the goalie, but sometimes you see the scoreboard, you just point fingers. Like, you can't do that. 
look at the whole game. You can't expect your goalie to make the most saves in the league every every game, right? So uh, I think the the back end would be nice to uh, kind of defensive line step up a little bit and maybe making a couple changes there. Trust me, it. I'm a Manchester United supporter. I know exactly what that's all about. <laughs> Is that Chris Bavinga walking by. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Terry, what, like, what are you what are you seeing? Like, you know, if the club wants to add a couple more players to the mix, like, what do you think would be an astute position to address? You show me your hand first. And My, I, I, I know. I know I, you're itching to get it. I, 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 <laughs> The best friends podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice I want I want TFC to address the midfield. And I'll tell you why. Because I think they've been limited in terms of the players at that position now that Jonathan Osorio has been out. Uh, and he battled some injuries off the at the start of the season as well. I think that you need established players in that position that can control games more. For the first time, you heard Bob Bradley after last game say that maybe some of the young players just they're physically not at that level to compete week in, week out against like top professionals across Major League Soccer. And I think that if you solidify that midfield position a little bit more, you'll benefit the players at the back and not as much pressure will be on them. You see so many times uh, last weekend against the Red Bulls, the second goal was played because the back four were playing so high because they're trying to push forward and limit yeah. the space created by the midfield. Like DeAndre Kerr is a wonderful young player I've never seen him play midfield growing up through the academy, Terry. So, and then guess what happens? You're exposed and behind over the top. I just think that providing some more balance in that area would benefit everyone behind and also provide a little bit more of a platform for the Pozuelos, the Jimenez, and, and, and the Insignes coming in to go and do what they do best, and that is to produce goals. So that's what I'd say. To control that game flow a little bit there in the middle. Bingo. Just yeah. sometimes I feel it's not the entire – because TFC, their ball retention's good – their distribution's good. They're creating chances, but there's these stretches of the games. The, what, the start of the game has been oh, a problem. Yeah. Yeah. The end of the game has been a problem. <laughs> and there's these five-minute stretches in between. Arguably some of the most important key I know. of the game. <laughs> But but this is where like I think that experience like Terry can explain this. Better I'm than watching me. Terry experience think about how, what he's players say right now. can help mitigate some of these issues from time I'm trying to time. Trying to bring all this together. Terry's so. like, what do I say? <laughs> you, got, you got this, so Terry. You got this. He's our Yoda of the podcast. <laughs> no, no, no. By the way, George is like, we need attackers. No defenders. No, no, defense. defenders. I'm defenders with defenders. him. Defenders. Oh, I thought you were talking about crosses. Oh, uh, I was a little bit all over the place. Okay. But I said, <laughs> no, I, I said that when when. Insigne comes, though, I think the one thing that he can bring to the point of, you know, setting more balls, quality balls in the net and on target, I think that will help. But if said the one thing that I think we need. Yeah, yeah. I think the one thing I I thought was more in in the backfield. Okay. So we're talking defenders. We're talking midfield. Um, The two things that stood out from the conversation for me were soccer IQ and physical thresholds. And, and I think... I guess I brought nothing to the table. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Ricky. No, you're Ricky, good. you're on the I'm right side. I'm good. The is waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so what I'm thinking is, uh, I think there's physical demands uh, to Bob Bradley's philosophy. Tons of high-intensity runs. Uh, it, it's a high-intensity game. Um, and I think there's this particular... Yeah, physical profile that, or skill set that's needed. Uh, I also think, I like the word soccer IQ, uh, and I say that because I think uh, Bob Bradley is one of the most decorated, if not the most decorated, North American coach ever. Um, Serena, really, those yeah, two. And, and I think what Bob's sweet spot is, is, is just pure, the art of pure coaching and some of his details. 
And, and I think players with soccer IQ are just a little bit more coachable. And, and I think you can kind of shape that player into your game model. And then from soccer IQ, physical traits, uh, the technical tactical side will, will take care of itself. I think culture is important. And we learned that last year as well in that changing room being right. Um, so you're looking for a type of player rather than a position? Uh, not quite. Yeah, essentially. So, and I and if you look at kind of uh, our our shape or our eleven, um, I I think the front office is probably open to anywhere. I think we're, we're open to 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 just good players, and I think you could make a case probably for each position, um, and and that's probably where I would go, is uh, being a little bit more general general, but physical for sure, soccer IQ for sure. Uh, some MLS experience, I think that's important uh, to support uh, Insigne. And I, I, I agree, I think uh, our midfield right now, the, the balance isn't quite right yet. I think, I, I'm not sure, Insigne, uh, sorry, Pozuelo playing there. A lot of the time he received it, he was facing his own goal. When he received it higher up the field, good things happen. Um, I think Shane O'Neill's done a pretty solid job since coming in. I think he's been as what's expected. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, just a, a little bit more cover, a, a little bit more quality, uh, and a little bit more uh, physicality. Also, it's it's not a matter of just like recruitment. It, and I'm not sure if it was George or Ricky who brought this up, getting healthy too. Oso's been out, Mavinga's been out. These are two vastly experienced players. Jacob Schaffelberg, Jaquil Marshall-Ruddy, uh, two players that are now just making their way back to full fitness and two players coming off long-term injuries who are really could be big players for the present and the future of Toronto FC and Io Akinola and Ralph Prizo coming off season ending ish injuries last year and trying to make their way back into this team. So I think it's a little bit of a process. Recruitment is part of it, but hopefully all of these worlds come together in a very positive way come the end of June. String some wins together, Insigne lands, couple new faces, and we'll see where this thing can go. That's why, you know, I feel like this is the appetizer. And, and, and the main course is very much still to come. We wanted to spend some time uh, discussing Jonathan Osorio because he featured in one of, one of your podcasts. He two. came on twice to two, the Pals podcast. Two times, yes. Yeah, he's a pal now. He's an official. What do you get? Do you get like a t-shirt for that? A badge? We put your face on the wall and, and you get a little pin. That's about it. Uh, <laughs> if that our, was the case, that uh, is amazing. That's that what our incentive. academy kids get downstairs. Their faces up on the wall when they make their debut, the game Honestly, they made their debut. They? Yeah. Our, uh, our guests sign our wall. We have a wall with a bunch of bricks, so each guest signs the wall. So Nice. Also signed it. Uh, he's a, The way we had him, the first time, I think I just like reached out to him. I was like, man, huge fan. We love TFC. Got to get you on the pod. He's like, yeah, sure, no problem. Right, so what did we're you like eight episodes in like this is crazy what did you learn about oso like what uh, did he, he give oh, you guys man he's awesome. a lot and the first episode to ricky's point we we started that po- our podcast just for us to hang out and out of nowhere oso comes on and we recorded at the time in my condo so he comes at a desk you know like in, in <laughs> my house and yeah. it was kind of it was kind of weird but he was just you know one of the guys just hanging out talking to us telling us about his time coming up and some of the games and you know what it's like to play for the city of toronto when you're from here and and you can just he just you can tell he just loves what he does and he's so proud to be able to play for for the city that he grew up in and all that and and represent his country so um yeah just just a pleasure to talk to yeah, him when, great when we had him on the second time i think I, we ran into him at like Leaf game or Raptor game, and I was like, "Oh, so when are you coming back?" I was like, "Whenever you want." I was like, two weeks." He's like, "Ah, oh, man, let's do it." I got a break from from Team Canada. We're like, "Perfect." 
we got him on and we started talking to him kind of, and you could just hear the excitement in his voice and he's not like an overly loud talker like me and george but like you can hear the excitement <laughs> yeah. as well yeah, uh, yeah. well it, it was and it was but was it before or after team the, the u.s game and, and hamilton i think it was just before. yeah just before so just before so there's a lot of excitement and, and you know and i think Davies there was three was wins of, away they weren't so sure you're if taking play. credit of inspiring oh, we, Oso to we fired him up basic. The, the yeah. basic one is the palace <laughs> that pass around the corner on the first goal is all you oh yeah 100 yes. percent we drew it up off off air. We told him this is like, what's gonna happen. Look for this guy named Kyle Larin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Send thing. it in. He'll score the goal. You guys are on. The I way. think it was right before that the game. He had the free <laughs> kick goal too. A really nice one. Yeah. I I just I, I look at him. There's so much pride around Oso. He's representing the club more than anyone else um, b- before. And what I've noticed in recent years, Terry, and, and you've known him a long time. I won't share the superstat anymore, but <laughs> I'm, I'm watching the, the, the 2026 host city um, uh, announcements. He's in New York. <laughs> yeah. And he's representing our country. Forget the club. He's representing the country at that time. He has become so well-spoken. He's come out of his shell. He's an absolute role model now. By, by the way, anyone that's giving him a hard time for saying who's the best team in college, it's Canada. Like, we just won. Like, get a life, Matt. Like, what's he supposed to say? He said the absolutely right <laughs> thing. Like, Canada is the kings of Cocky Cap right now. So I, I, I just love the guy. And the way that he has now become a leader, not only within TFC, but the national team, Terry. I, like, I did not see this evolution happening the way that it has. I, I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Just like, him kind of growing up and becoming Mr. TFC now. Yeah, we, we've used the word process a little bit. And, uh, well, I did. <laughs> I'm with you on this one. That's, that's why I'm over here now. <laughs> and he's coming up. So he's getting close to like his testimonial year. It's crazy. Um, but he, I think he's got this incredible growth mindset. And, and each year, he just continues to get better and better, whether he's a tactical architect as he is for Canada, his technique gets a little bit cleaner. He gets a little bit bigger and stronger, a little bit quicker in an off season. Um, in the changing room, there's a little bit more leadership. Uh, leadership now leading our country, uh, representing. Um, but I think underneath all of that, uh, what's so cool about Jonathan is, uh, and the fact that he's an incredible person, is uh, this amazing competitiveness. He's such a fighter, and and I'll never forget it. He he came in, uh, I think that preseason almost on trial where he ended up making his debut, and it was like our media day. It was the first day. Uh, I'd reported back after playing the year before, and uh, he almost set up a five aside for us to play in the 18-yard box, move the goals himself. This this young 19, 20-year-old, and, and I'll never forget it. We played for like two and a half hours, like we were in the streets. And he's like slide tackling. He's keeping score. He's asking more from his teammates. And I'm like, who is this guy? And uh, fast forward almost 10 years later, he's uh, now doing it for his country, leading Toronto FC. And uh, I'm sure he's going to crush it in guitar. They booked the, the podcast twice. I think we maybe had about once, and we've had like what almost three hundred episodes. We uh, we talked about this too. We've had other former TFC players on, younger guys, and they all say the same thing: that like he's just like an absolute stud on the field, off the field, just such a good person to be around, such a role model, and you know, like, like a Michael Bradley too. So just such a team player that wants to see the best out of not only himself but his teammates and, and everybody around them. And he's still young. 
Yeah. Like he's still like right in the prime of, of his career. That's why, and, and I wanted to get to this topic before, before we wrap up the show. Like 2026 isn't that far away. I know we have a lot of MLS play. We have Qatar coming up in the fall, but 2026 isn't that far off. And Osorio's still going to be in contention to be part of the Canadian men's national team setup. Congratulations to Toronto. Uh, we are a host city for the 2026 World Cup. <laughs> have you guys ever been to a World Cup game before? Never. Never. 2026 I'll be there, though. Terry, have you? No. We came close to South Africa. But... Right. I was in South Africa. I was in Germany before. There's nothing... <clears throat> lo- Just wait till we experience it in our city. There's so much pride. Just wait till you experience the vibe of having World Cup games in your city. The traveling support that comes in, just the hype, the anticipation, it is the fan zones, it is next level. I simply cannot wait. What are your thoughts on the 48 teams? Don't like it at all. 16 teams, 16 groups of three. So you're only guaranteed two games. It's not my favorite. I I would have split the difference and made it 40 if you're going to expand. I think they went too far. Guys, thoughts? I mean, yeah, I, I, I think it. In my opinion, when you expand that much, it kind of waters down competition yeah. as well a little bit. You want to see the highest quality. Um, I can understand, I think, why they did it as, you know, most sports as they grow and expand. <laughs> yes. But, I uh, yeah, I think it, I would have liked to see a little smaller. Yeah, I'm like George. Yeah. Uh, I, again, I just lo- I love the World Cup. I think it's awesome. Again, Italian-Brazilian here, so I've been fortunate enough to cheer for winning teams in my, face <laughs> my entire life. You. But, again, now that Canada's hosting, Canada's in it, like, you got so much young talent. It's going to be exciting. I'd rather it would have been a little bit smaller because then again, you get to see those three games guaranteed. You know, even if you don't win, you get to, to be there, to experience, right? Canada playing three. But at the end of the day, it's exciting nonetheless. So I, uh, I won't complain. At I, I, I want to congratulate Bill Manning, a lot of people working behind the scenes at MLSE, and Larry Tannenbaum for help making this happen. This is a significant project, a significant significant commitment by both the public and the private sector to make this happen. Now, part of this project is BMO Field being expanded, shined up. Some new additions are coming to the stadium. Now, there's some renderings online. I cannot speak to whether they're accurate or not, but let's put on our hats here, our, our, our ideal situation hats. We've all spent a lot of time down at BMO Field. We're taking a look at it behind us. If you were in charge of the project, Ricky, what would you do to BMO Field to take it to that next World Cup level? Oh, the, the north end, I'm building you know, a nice double-decker layer there. So maybe adding on. <laughs> like, so two levels? Yeah, yeah, two, two levels, like two, two nice big ones. Maybe it wraps around, connects to yeah. the east and west. Maybe on the south side, do something similar. Uh, the Jumbotron I love, but it's going to have to go because the, the backstage is going to be big. So maybe put maybe one in each corner kind of thing mm. on that side. Uh, maybe have a nice Jumbotron wraparound like the Jays just got. Uh, but yeah, big double-decker on the north side. On the south side, I would expand it, make it a little bit higher as well. Kind of how we used to have those temporary seating. for, yeah, for MLS Cup. It yeah. was like Grey Cup. Yeah, yeah, I think they should make those permanent and just kind of bring it up to like 50,000. I think that would be electric. George? Uh, I'm going to disagree with my pal over here. The north side, one of the things I like the most, and I, uh, I, I just noticed this year for some for the first time, is being able to see the north side goal. Sure, the big screen needs to be adjusted a little, not very conducive for everybody. But when you look at the north side, sure, could you put more seating in? Yes, but being able to see up through Liberty Village and see that old food building there, yeah. and the people just walking by, it, 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 it has this very cool stadium feel to it. Um, 
you definitely got to add more seats and get it to that 50,000. I would probably blow up the south side, add some more no, in the back. because then you get to see the planes taking off on the south okay, side. Yeah, you're raising a little bit. I'm in the middle. And then add we some switch it, Are we and him switching seats? <laughs> but I mean, if you look at that, seeing the food building, seeing people standing back there, I think I think it's tremendous. But regardless of what they do, I to be honest, one of my favorite stadiums to be at because you're there in the summer, being outside, seeing the planes take off, seeing the people, it's it's incredible. And I can't imagine what it's like with the Dunfield. World Cup fans. What's your dream scenario? I like all the stuff that's been said already. Someone else is flipping the bill. <laughs> you gotta pick a side here. Pick a yeah. side. Okay. I went with I went with my gut. My gut sort of saying, "Can we enclose it and, and really encapsulate everything?" But then I I do like the old food building. I do like the planes taking off. I like being able to. It's a very politically correct answer here. Right? Doesn't so, want to pick a side. And then I'd be concerned if you spend a lot of cash out of BC Place, and you now have this big, huge stadium that's yeah. not filling up. Yeah. That can kind of be messy. So. I'd probably hedge my bet with something temporary, something that's open, uh, and I like the idea of just building on the three stands. Uh, okay. Can you live with Final that? word. What do you like? I thought that was a high five. I'm going to completely <laughs> something different than you guys. I want the entire stadium closed, rounded, and covered. So kind of like Red Bull Arena in New York. I've been to the arena that's, that's very similar in Salzburg. Another Red Bull stadium. It doesn't have to be elaborate or over the top. I think that right now we have a group of supporters who are intelligent, know the game, who know how to drive an atmosphere. Let's keep that all in. I think when you enclose it, put a roof around it, and then all the bells and whistles that come along with it, I think that's the way you make the stadium look more complete. I get I get your sight line. Like, look, I, I was mortified when the second level was put on the east end of the stadium because looking up from the press or the commentary booth, you would look across the Toronto skyline yeah. and see the CN Tower. Now you do not have that sight line anymore. But guess what? Guess where I'm looking? The field. Yeah. The the field first. You and want we're that at that point. Now. Coliseum not- type like look where you're at, you know, Camp New and you're all everyone's looking no. in and it's electric and that's me. I see what Sorry, you mean. Mate. Yeah. Sorry, mate. Sorry, mate. Gonna, it's, you know what it's gonna feel like if we do that? It's gonna look like, feel like the Eddie had. And and you'll lose the idiosyncrasies of BMO Field. But we'll have atmosphere, unlike the Eddie had. Well yes, it has now actually it's taken us supporters. years to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> Should I do it? <laughs> The pause there. Get your own. Get your own. Sorry about my uh, This has been a lot of fun, guys. Thank you so much for coming in. By the way, my, my, my disappointment, it's not with the Italian community because the celebration on College oh, Street oh. was amazing. But do you know what I wanted to see? When Canada qualified for the World Cup, I wanted to see the same scenes on College Street. Like, I, I, lo- I love what, and what the Portuguese do in little Portugal and the Italians do in little. I, I love all that. But I, I really want to get to the point where we're doing that for Canada. And hopefully November is a little bit chilly, but that's I, what I hope. Right? I think it'll happen, though. I think that especially um, with this World Cup coming up in, in Qatar, like I said, like Italian team, unfortunately, not making it. The Greek team yeah. hasn't done well. I can't even. I'm not surprised. But having those big communities and those courts, and I'm sure there's other communities that I'm not thinking of in, in such a multicultural city. I have a feeling that uh, they're all going to be behind Canada and it couldn't have worked out better, whether it's happenstance or it was meant to be. Mm. I think I think the whole Canadian community is, is going to be behind Canada for and this one. I think he nailed it too. The best part, One of the best parts about Canada is like how multicultural our, our country and especially Toronto as a city is. I think you're going to see all different you know shapes and sizes of people, different colors, different nationalities. Everybody's going to be wearing red. 
rocking jerseys, like whether it's soccer jerseys, hockey jerseys, baseball, it doesn't matter. Everyone's going to be wearing red. And I think it's going to be a very exciting time for uh, for the soccer community in Canada. Ricky, isn't it strange? I was thinking, like, we've never lived anything like this before. No. It's completely new. No. So you, what's cool about it is we're, we're not really sure yeah. how this is going to play out. And, and I agree, everything you said about our culture, demograph, like how, how are we all going to come together? Who like how, how, What's that going to look like? And I think that's the best part about it. As long as we come together. And yeah. what a team we no have. No more being divided. Let's come together. But, and, and then on the flip side, like what an exciting team too yeah. to cheer for. It's not like we just barely qualified. No, no. we call like we're we're in there with so many big big uh, moments. Yeah. Like it's like if I'm I don't want to play Canada. No, I wouldn't no. either. To be honest, I'm not, not really I'm looking biased. forward to playing Belgium either. The Pals Podcast, where can our listeners follow you on your socials? Yeah, it's the Pals Podcast on all socials. Follow us on Instagram. Uh, go to YouTube, subscribe to the channel, and stay tuned for more exciting content from us. We'll make sure we'll get you guys on our pod soon. Nice. You can book me. You have to go through Terry's agent. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky, George, this has been great. Pleasure, guys. Uh, whether you. we're pals. We're absolutely friends. Oh, we're best friends. This for is the best this. friends podcast. Right? Yeah. The best friend, and, 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 and you were our first. We appreciate it. On this it. brand new format. We hope that you enjoyed it. Tell your friends. You can obviously subscribe like you do, or you can watch this on YouTube as well as we continue to push this forward. Terry, great to see you, man. It's been too long. Happy Blended Father's Day once again. And thank you all for tuning in. On behalf of everyone at TFC, I am Gareth Wheeler. We'll see you next time. Wheels down on this edition of Come